Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. Well, good morning. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's good to worship with you this morning, and good morning to those watching and engaging online as well. Uh, Thank you for worshiping with us this morning as we look to Mark chapter 1 and this call on these fishermen. I have a couple friends who, in their youth, they decided that they wanted to be musicians. And it's just something you decide, right? Especially that age. I'm going to be a musician. And they were involved in their church, and so they decided that they were going to be worship musicians. They said, we are going to start a band. They had already decided to start a band, even though they did not yet know how to play any instruments. They decided that they would lead people on guitar. Basically, they saw people like Ryan and Emily and said, yes, we want to be like that. And so they bought guitars, and they started practicing. But they had, they had been talking about their desire kind of ahead of where their talent was, ahead of their practicing. And so it didn't take long for people to hear their boasting and dreams and invite them to play. And so they were invited to lead a few songs for their church. And they realized that they, they weren't quite ready. And so they had this idea. As they were playing, they, they, they were getting okay, but they had a really hard time changing chords on the guitar fast enough, you know? But since there were two of them, they had this plan. What we'll do is we'll play the song, and you'll play the first chord, and when that's done, I'll play the second. And we will just take turns and alternate between the different chords on the guitar. That way it will be seamless. No one will even know that we're not really sure we know what we're doing. It was not the best sounding thing that ever happened. They muddled through it, and eventually they became pretty decent guitar players down the road, and they would look back at this time with some embarrassment and some pride for how far that they've come. We all know what it's like to not have arrived, right? To not be as put together as we want to be, to feel inadequate. Maybe like we haven't measured up. Perhaps we want to be something, but we're not quite able to pull it off. As we start a new year, these these feelings often fuel things like New Year's resolutions, right? I want to be like this. This is the year I will finally. Did you know that in the podcast charts right now, there's always this blip in January where read the Bible in a year podcasts go to the very top of the podcast charts, they will fall away here in the coming weeks. As I read this text this week, for the first time preparing, I I initially bristled at it a bit. Jesus says, come follow me. There's no background, and he gets this immediate response and great turnout. I invite people to stuff and just wait around. (laughs) I felt a little bit of jealousy at these disciples there in their boats getting to have Jesus come up to them and be like, hey, follow me. This is the way to do it. I I would like that too. (laughs) Would I be a better follower of Jesus than I am now if, if Jesus was right there saying, follow me, come on, out of the boat. 
But as I dug into this text and into myself, as I prayed and studied and imagined, I realized that I think Jesus is offering us right now exactly what these disciples are offered. It's just contoured to our own context, our own stories. I think Jesus is inviting us into the story, is inviting us to follow. And it's only our limited perspective that restricts us from seeing who Jesus is calling us to become. So we'll look closely here at Mark 1, and we'll start just with verses 14 through 17. I want to read those again. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of people. So if you're here last week, you'll remember that we met John the Baptist, this voice in the wilderness, declaring from the margins that God is on the move. We learned last week that God is at work in the wilderness. I spent some time in the wilderness this week. My, my family and I, for four days, went camping. We did not leave our home. We just didn't have power. We camped in our house. And so we saw what it was like to be kind of in the middle of, what are we doing? <laughs> and it is out of this wilderness that we hear this message from John the Baptist. And John says, Jesus is coming, God in flesh. We learned that who Jesus is is affirmed at his baptism. And then in the story, Jesus goes to the wilderness himself. His faith is strengthened and deepened. And then we get to this part of the story. John has been arrested for his radical message of telling people to turn to God. And Jesus steps in and takes up his ministry. As the king of the region, Herod was a builder of cities and monuments. And he sees this John gathering crowds and talking about a future and a king he takes John out. So Jesus comes with this similar message. Repent. Turn to God. But this time the message is not about someone that is coming. Instead, he says, the very kingdom of God is near. God's time has come. Divine time is breaking into the normal days. God is with us and rescuing us. That hope is here. Death and sin and despair do not win. Justice and hope and love are springing up all around us. Repent, for God is on the move. Join in with God. Turn towards God, Jesus says. And He says this all in Galilee. In the face of King Herod's cruelty in this attempt to quiet this revolutionary John, we hear the good news. And it comes in Galilee. Galilee is not where you think it might come. It is not the capital or center of civilization. It is not a place that is a big city or has major publications. It is not a place that is at the top of the social 
ladder. You won't find Galilee on the cover of Forbes magazine. But it's here where Jesus shows up, in the middle of nowhere, among fishermen and small-town problems. I wonder why. I think Mark wants us to see right from the start that Jesus' invitation is not for the people who are more important or more connected than us. The reality is most people in the world live in a place that they might describe as the middle of nowhere. Most people have normal jobs. Their names won't be remembered very long after their death. Normal people. It's people like this that Jesus first comes to. People like us. People that Jesus sees and loves and calls. Throughout Scripture, over and over again, we see these very normal, flawed people being used by God. It's just Galileans, like Pennsylvanians, with gardens and hobbies and ailments and insecurities, with financial worries and stress about their kids. To these, Jesus comes, repent and believe the gospel. Even here, the kingdom has come near to you and to me, to the Baptist Church of Westchester, and blessing boxes and brunches and hospital beds and conversations and car engines with budgets and doctor's appointments. Jesus invites us, invites these fishermen just been living their lives, doing their business, Jesus calls them like Jesus calls us, exactly where we are in the middle of life. And Mark doesn't give us much background at all. We don't really know who these gentlemen are. We don't get any establishing information, no real backstory, just some guys on a boat. And yet, Jesus calls them. I think Mark wants us to see in this surprising place with these normal people that, that what is important here is not the background or education or location or experience, not the life circumstance or extraordinary origin story of these people that Jesus calls. No. What matters is the one who is calling them. What matters is that it's Jesus who says, follow me. And Jesus doesn't say, follow some ideology or a movement or a set of rules, but me. <laughs> All that God is doing is revealed in this one focal point, the person of Jesus who sees us first, calls us first, seeks us out. It is God who is the acting agent calling us forward, calling us to follow and the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It's very famous. You can see Michelangelo's imagining of God reaching towards humanity. And I, and I love it because it is God who is stretching out and humanity is just kind of like, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Right? But God reaching for us. Jesus invites us to follow him. I was trying to come up with a more clever pastory point than that, you know, something more flowery and interesting. And... But there isn't one. 
It is this invitation for wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're in the middle of, whatever we are facing, whatever life station we are in, in joy and grief and hope, despair and health and illness, follow me. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we hear that language today and we might get a little unsettled by it. In our modern culture, we might feel a little icky because of this language, fish for people. We've seen how this language has been used by some Christians to bulldoze others, to see people as projects to just grab onto, to convert and say, look how many people I've changed their minds, look at me. The idea of a hook, right, doesn't sound good. We think of fishing, we think of hooks, even though it's nets here. Is this some kind of trick? Is this some kind of bait and switch, right? That phrase comes from fishing. Is this some invitation to trick people, snag them, yank them away? We're skeptical of people who want to call us to something, tell us to follow them that might try to hook us. (laughs) My family, when we, we moved from Germany to El Paso because of our a reassignment. Our car was delivered in Houston, and so my dad had to drive it just 10 hours across all of Texas to get it to our house. So as he's making this drive, you get towards the desert, and all of a sudden the speed limits open up to about 80 miles an hour. But every now and then, that 80-mile-an-hour zone is interrupted by these little 35-mile-an-hour towns. My dad was going through one of these at his 80 plus miles an hour, and an old Texas police officer turned his lights on and followed him, pulled him over. And as the officer was talking to my dad, he had taken his documentation, he had his license in his hand, and another car whizzed by. It was like the roadrunner going past Wiley Coyote, right? You just imagine that kind of dust spin, and I kid you not, the officer, while holding my dad's license, said, follow me, and he jumped back in his cruiser. Tom, I don't think this is protocol. I don't think this is how you're supposed to do it. And so my dad didn't know why his license has been commandeered, and the officer takes off. And so my dad follows him, going faster than he had been when he got pulled over. Eventually, the police officer pulls over this guy who was speeding. There's now this train of cars, and uh, both of them got a ticket, which I think is funny. But we hear this idea, follow me, fish for men, and we think this is some kind of trick, this is going to end poorly. (laughs) Were you up to something? (laughs) But I'll tell you, as as we, we read this language of becoming fishers of men, this is not a call for us to fool people, to hoodwink anybody, (laughs) to capture them. No. If Jesus is who Jesus says Jesus is, he doesn't need anybody to do a trick. (laughs) He's good enough on his own. I'm convinced Jesus uses this fishing language because he's talking to fishermen. (laughs) It's what they know. It's God saying to a people, hey, I know who you are and what you know how to do and what you're passionate about and what if you use it for me? Where are you gifted? What are you passionate about? What are you good at? What if 
God's inviting you to join in on the work of the kingdom. You, you like to cook? What if you fed my people? You teach? What if you taught people of my love? You organize data in cells? What if you organize cells of my body to serve and to love? This is not a bait and switch, not a trick. It's an invitation to bring our whole selves to follow Jesus and see what will happen. Some scholars also think there may be a deeper reason Jesus uses this fishing language and, and why the early church would have grabbed onto it. They loved it. They liked that fish symbol to talk about Jesus. See, in the ancient world, the sea was a symbol of chaos and fear. It was often used as a metaphor for death and despair. Perhaps by inviting people to fish for people, Jesus is pointing to this image that shows his very people with the light of love inviting people out of the way of death and destruction and into this kingdom of life. Jesus invites us to follow him. It's not a trick. <laughs> There's no bait and switch. And following Jesus will lead us to transformation. I believe that as we follow Jesus, the invitation is to live with Jesus. And then Jesus transforms us to be the kind of people that other people say, what is God doing there? <laughs> to look at God's people and say the kingdom is at hand. Spiritual writer Dallas Willard writes, that when he was a boy, rural electrification was just happening and power lines were being strung up throughout the countryside. And he imagines even after those first lines are up and running, uh, imagine running across to a weary family still using candles and kerosene lanterns for light. Not like, unlike some of us this week. Imagine them using scrub boards and ice chests and rug beaters when a better life is waiting for them right outside their door if they would just let themselves be hooked up to the power lines. My friends, you could proclaim to them, electricity is at hand. And suppose they just didn't trust it, thought it was too much of a hassle. And anyway, they didn't believe in the promise that things might be easier with these newfangled things in their house. They say, if it's all the same to you, we'll stick with the old ways. Professor Scott Housie, reflecting on Willard's musing, says, maybe the kingdom is like that. It's here. It's real. It's right outside your door. The kingdom of God is at hand. Don't be so easily satisfied with temporary pleasures of sex and money and power and food and cable TV and the wonders of technology. A better, exciting, hopeful, joyful kingdom of life is real. The kingdom of God is at hand. We live knowing this is true. And we live to help others see it too. I'm going to read a little bit more of the passage. This is 16 through 20. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. They left their nets and followed him. And then he went a little further. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. 
I have, a, I have a quibble with some of our English translations here in, in our Bibles because this, this verse that says, I will make you fishers of people is missing something that's in the original language that I think is so important. See, in the original language, the text says quite literally, I will make you become fishers of people. And that word become gets absorbed sometimes in translation, but I think we cannot miss the intention here of Mark. Jesus says you will become fishers of people. There is a process involved. You know the parable. If you give a man to fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, right? You feed him for a lifetime. I'd like to add a third line to that parable. Watch a man become a fisher, and they will either fish or talk to you about fishing all the time. (laughs) You know these people, right? How many of you have caught a fish? Look at that participation way to go. We've caught fish. I have caught a fish. I know the mechanics of catching a fish. I am not a fisher. I do not seek it out. I do not particularly enjoy it. It is not how I like to spend my time. There are other things I think about a lot. I like baseball. I think about baseball. I will talk to you about baseball. I'm not a fisher. Not a fish. Not a fisher. My mother-in-law is a fisher. She talks about fish all the time. We buy her lures for Mother's Day. When she used to live by a lake, she would come home from a long day as an occupational therapist, still in her scrubs, and just go fish every day. She became a fisher. And so Jesus shows up to these men, meets them exactly where they are, the way that they've been wired by God, meeting them in the middle of their lives and their interests and their passions for fishing and relates to them a new reality. You will be fishers of people. You will become fishers. And it's a process. And maybe if you're like me, you're thinking, why have I not arrived? Why is it still so hard? Why is it still such a challenge? Why do I keep messing up? You will become fishers. We read in the story, and the first name that we see is Simon or Peter. You imagine him there just sitting in his boat. And then I want you to think about later in the story, after Jesus died, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. Think about the Holy Spirit falling upon the church. Thousands of people turning to Jesus at the day of Pentecost. And there's Peter. Standing before the multitudes and proclaiming who Jesus is, inviting people to a life better than they can imagine, a community that is deeper than the sea. I want you to hold these two images in your mind. This middle of the story, Simon Peter, sitting in a boat, (laughs) who he becomes. There is so much that happens in the middle. And today, as we may be frustrated and tired and not sure of what's next and not sure where to begin, I want you to remember you are in the middle. You're still in the middle. You are becoming what God is calling you to be. We're all becoming something. 
Yes, we are invited to follow Christ immediately. They respond immediately. But it takes years for them to be transformed. Dr. Martin Luther King, whose legacy and work we celebrate tomorrow, said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And I believe the inverse is true. Our lives begin to begin the day we start to use our voice, our lives, our choices for the things that matter. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. You will become something. What are you becoming? I'll admit that at times I'm frustrated. God, why is it happening this slowly? (laughs) What am I doing? Where am I going? What is going on? Why is it like this? Why is it so slow? Why is it so frustrating? Why is it one step forward and two steps back? In the words of one of the prophets of my generation, the band Jimmy Eat World, it just takes some time. You're in the middle. Everything's going to be all right. The invitation to these four set them on a trajectory where they would become partners and with God, with God and what God is doing in the world. It is a journey of becoming that moves them from boats and nets to mountains with fire from the heavens. You're in the middle of what you're becoming. Wherever you are, young and old, put together and falling apart, rejoicing and grieving, insecure and overconfident, on the fence or diving in, no matter where you are, the kingdom of God is at hand. And our Jesus is saying, follow me. That's what we're called to. Who will you become when you decide to follow Jesus? Let us pray together. God, thank you for this invitation to follow you. And thank you that you, who are perfect, understands that for us, it's a process. <laughs> Help us to remember that we're in the middle. And that you are at work in us, even in the middle. That you are calling us every day to commit to follow you. To choose to follow you. And as we follow, we will be transformed to be more and more like you. To more and more represent your kingdom in the world. Help us to worry not so much about where we're going, but who we're following. Help us to be a people that are committed to follow you. And may you take us where you want to take us. May we become exactly who you've designed us to be. And may it happen because as you say, follow me, we say yes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.